to talk about, you also, you are qualified to have them. You, you are qualified to have the best, if I may use the word. The way they struggle to get them is not the way you struggle. Remember what we read in Second Peter 1. There is a grace that comes to you. There is a peace that comes to you through the knowledge of God. Who has made provision for us that pertain unto life and what? Godliness. The factor of grace is not available to the unbelievers. But it's available to you. So what you get by grace is what they get by struggling or toiling to get. Are you getting this? Okay. Now, every wise father, a merciful father, provides the basic necessities for his children. Am I correct? Amen? Now, if you expect anything less, it's an offense, an abuse of the status of your father. Every rich father makes provision for his children. Believes in giving the best for his children and to his children. Am I communicating? Every rich father does that. Now, if a child who belongs to a rich father expects something less than what his father can do, it's an abuse of the power of the father. It's an insult to the father. What I mean is, if we are in the kingdom and God is our father in the kingdom, we can't expect anything less because he has the ability to provide all that is due to us as children. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Now, your expectation has a lot to play in what you get from God. Because if you think less of him, definitely you get less from him. Hallelujah. Now, let's get a little bit of... In fact, to expect that which is not the best from a father who has the best is an insult to his wisdom. It means that father is not thinking right. If he, if you have to provide less... Uh, you know, for, for his children. And yet he has the best. So if you expect less and think less of what God can do in what I'm sharing, it's an insult to the wisdom of God himself. He has already told us in his world, the earth and the funeral thereof belongs to him. Am I right? And if he's our father, then of course we should expect the best out of the earth, which are his. So I still want to say, when Paul is speaking in Romans 14, 17, the kingdom is not meat and drink. It's not dealing with material provisions in creation. And I'm still going to prove that further. Okay, let me still give you some point as to the proof of his commitment to his people. Can we turn to Psalm 37, verse 23? Down to 25. Psalm 37, 23 to 25. Psalm 37. A further proof of the commitment of God and the evidence of what I'm talking about. Psalm 20, 37. Are we together? I'm reading from 23. 
The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighted in his way. The step of who? Of a good man. Now you must understand, when we talk about good man, he's simply the man that believes in the Lord. Not by any descriptive thing that anybody can give to you. But he who walks in the light of God's spirit. Is that okay? Step of a good man. Or he's just like saying the step of a righteous man. Out of the Lord. Verse 24. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Can I hear an amen to that? It is possible to fall, but you are not going to be there forever. He will also uphold you. He will also pick you from where you are falling from. Or falling to. He will, he will raise you again and cause you to sit up or stand up. He shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholded him with what? With his hand. You must understand that. That there's a possibility to fall, fine. But you're not going to remain there. God himself has a way of lifting you. Okay, verse 25. I'll be young. And now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. Can I hear any man? Nor his seed doing what? Begging bread. I have not seen it. David is speaking. I have not seen it. I was young since I started growing and since I believed, since I, I began to watch what God does, I have never seen him forsake his people, neither allow his people's children to do what? To beg for bread. That means bread is, is, is provided by God. Amen? Uh, meaning, I want you to catch what I'm dealing with. The kingdom is not meat and drink. That is bread. Am I right? Okay, automatically from this scripture, it means the kingdom is also including what? Bread. Am I right? So we need to find out what is the meat and drink, which is not the kingdom. That's where we are going to. But I'm laying a foundation so that your mind can be open to receive what I'm going to be sharing in this regard. As the Lord begins to reveal it to me. So here God is making us understand that he will, verse 26, he is ever merciful and lended. And his seed is blessed. In other words, the righteous man is ever merciful and lended. How is he coming to the place of mercy? Because he has no provision to give to people who I need. Hallelujah. Are you, are you catching this? The righteous man whose seed doesn't bear bread is ever merciful. What does that mean? He has more than enough to give to those who are in need. And that is somebody who is in the kingdom. He says he's ever merciful. He lended and his seed is what? is blessed. So there is nothing to prove that the kingdom does not attract blessings or prosperity or provisions of life. That's what I'm trying to say. So that by the time I begin to touch what meat and drink means, it will be easy for you to Understand. I'm trying to lay a background for you to understand this. God is making provision for his people. The kingdom is a place where you have to exhibit. I believe God wants to exhibit his goodness, his glory, his mercy, his provisions for his people. And his people who are in the kingdom are meant to live out of that which God has provided. Nothing less. The world can have the best and those in the kingdom doesn't have it. 
Just like we read in the book of Matthew chapter 6, the basic thing is the method of acquiring or the process of getting these things. That's the difference. For the world is a struggle, but for God's kingdom is true grace and provision by God. Hallelujah. Somebody need to change his car. Can I hear an amen to that loud one? It's all part of the provision that God has made available. Oh yes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You could take that as a prophecy and let it work for you. Find a wood warfare with it. You get some of the difference. Amen? Yeah. Okay. And, and I like this one. He's, he's ever merciful. You see, when I was reading this, I was just saying, God help me. Because you see, He's ever merciful means he's ever ready to make provision for those who are in need. I'm just talking about you having surplus to be able to give to other people. Not begging, not always asking for, but you giving to people. He's ever merciful. (laughs) Hallelujah. Okay, for the proof of this, let's go to Mark chapter 10. Just tell us, the kingdom is not lack, the kingdom is not suffering, the kingdom is not, uh, oh, well, begging, no, no, no. Let's go down again to Mark 10. Mark 10, I'm going to be reading from 28 to 30. Book of Mark chapter 10. Hallelujah. Are we there? Bible says, then Peter began to say unto him, speaking to Jesus, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, when you say very, say truthfully, convincingly, I want to talk to you about this. There is no man that have left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands. For my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold now. When? In this time. Houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands in addition persecution. <laughs> And in the world to come, what? It's in our life. Hallelujah. Everything you ever miss in the world, you get hundredfold. Now, no tomorrow. So, you can't put your prosperity in the future. Jesus didn't promise that. Amen. And I like where he began from. Houses. So not one. Lands. Not one. Hallelujah. It means there is nothing you ever miss believing into God that God will deny you of. Nothing. So I want you to capture this. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. So what is it? It's not just spirit. It's all inclusive. Spirit and in the natural. Lands. Houses. Children. Now now you see how a lot of pastors have so many children all over the world. 
my son, my son, my son, eh? <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Okay. So, capture that. It's very important. When we say the kingdom is not meat or drink, doesn't mean the kingdom is saying you don't have to own anything. This world is not my home. That's Jim Reef philosophy. Jim Reef philosophy is not scripture. Huh? The world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. That's Jim Reef philosophy. That is my Bible. You should be singing that. Amen? You are not just passing through. You are here to possess. He said dominate. He said have dominion. That's what the Bible said. He didn't say pass by. He said have dominion. So that Jim Reef philosophy is not scripture. He's a good guy, I love him. But that was one of his best hits so far. But he can't walk today. Because through knowledge, remember, through the knowledge of God, we are beginning to discover what God has made available for us. He never had this kind of understanding. So it's not, it's not, it's not a message anymore, if at all it was. So here the Bible says, you get everything you ever miss in the world a hundredfold. Amen? Land, houses, and cows, and, and I don't care. It doesn't really mean anything. You just get, just keep getting. That's what the Bible says. Hundredfold. I don't know what hundredfold means. What's the limit for hundredfold? Tell me. He said hundredfold. I don't know. So, two, maybe hundredfold for you. Fine. Somebody can make it three, whatever it is. Still hundredfold. Eh? Okay. Let's take another scripture just to still prove this fact. God wants us to live well. God wants us to have the best. Huh? Come be using Tokumbo every year. No, 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 man. Hallelujah. First Timothy 4. There's grace sufficient <laughs> to cause all this to abandon to us. Amen. First Timothy 4. Are we there together? I'm reading verse 8. First Timothy 4 verse number 8. Praise the Lord. For bodily exercise profited little. Going to gym profits, but little. There's nothing wrong registering with the gym. The Bible confirmed that gym, to go to the gym profit you something. Hmm? But godliness or walking in God-likeness is profitable unto what? How many things? Having the promises of the life that now is and of that which is what? To come. All things now and that which is to come. Not tomorrow. I want you to see the emphasis of the now. Mark said now. Paul said now. Not tomorrow. Hallelujah. So from this a uh, few passages we can see clearly that walking in the life of God brings you the benefit of life now and all that is associated with it and also provide for the life that is to come. Both ways, the Lord has made provision for us to have all things that pertain to our well-being both in this life and that which is to come. Amen? In other words, you do not miss out on anything now and in the future ages to come because of the sacrifice of Jesus. He provided for everything now and tomorrow. Can I hear an amen to that? So everything you ever need in life, everything you ever dream about in life. Now let me sound this clearly again. Don't expect less from God. Because if you do, you are abusing the wisdom of God who is supposed to provide for his own. 
Hallelujah. See, my thought towards you is sort of peace that you may have what? An expected end. Now, if there is an expected end, that means you have to also walk in expectation. Hmm? One of the things that draws from God is what? Expectation. And like I said, every, every child should expect the best from his father. And what you expect that forms your thoughts, your paradigm, is what also comes to you from the father. You draw from the father through your thinking, your expectation. So if you are expecting less from God, you are not only abusing his wisdom, you will not even get what is actually provided for for you. So your expectation should be high. Amen? You should be doing business with high expectation. You should be thinking about life with high expectation. You can't think about finishing life the way you are now. No. Because he died and made provision for your life now and the life to come. He doesn't want you to miss out on anything or in any way. The best is yet to come. Can I hear an amen to that? And we're going to draw this with expectation from his presence. So the kingdom includes every good thing in this life. In fact, to us, it's an addition. We don't struggle to get the best of life. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay. So we can see that the kingdom is not talking about the believers not having provisions of good things in this life. When Paul stated that the kingdom is not meat and drink, it's not, it doesn't mean you don't have to have the best of life. The kingdom therefore involves all necessary provisions of life. We are therefore meant to prosper being we are in the kingdom. Amen? It is God's desire that we live and enjoy all good things that even his sacrifice provided for, for humanity. So the next question is, what does it mean they meat and drink that the kingdom is not? Praise the living God. We've been able to establish this fact that God's provision in his kingdom is all that pertains to life and godliness, everything that you can ever imagine. It's meant for us to enjoy. So the question is, what is meat and drink that Paul says the kingdom is not? So get it right. Meat and drink, from what we've read so far, have nothing to do with provisions of life. Am I right? Good. What then is meat and drink? Let's get down to the background. Romans chapter 14. Romans 14. What is meat and drink that the kingdom is not? Because the kingdom includes the best in life. It includes everything you can ever imagine. That's what the kingdom is. Romans 14. Now, with there, I'm going to read verse 1. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. In other words, don't judge a person's doubtful thoughts about certain things. Just receive the people. Verse 2. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eateth herbs. 
Amen. So I'm talking about some people who believe in vegetarianism. And the fail is a higher life. As compared to you, it meets or something. Is that all right? Verse 3. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Now, the background to the whole of this that Paul was writing about is the kind of contention of superiority of lifestyle or thoughts that was going on between the Gentiles who finally became believers and the Jewish people. Is that okay? The Gentiles who came in, most of them were kind of vegetarians. And they feel, you don't need to eat meat. And the Jews said, no. You eat meat, but there are specific types of meat you eat. I'm going to make you see all of that the other time. I mean, as we progress. Because I'm going to be treating this kind of series. Because if you go to Leviticus 11, you see the kind of meat that God says you eat and the way you must eat. Talks about eat the meat that chews the cord. And then don't eat the one that does not divide the feet. Like dog, something like that. He gave reasons why he must eat those things. You know. But basically, you know, the meat that chews cord, which he said you should eat, is a clear indication of you receiving the word and meditating on the word. Because the animal that chews cord, they eat all the grass and they go back in the evening, they bring it out again and begin to walk it. So when he say eat the meat that chews the cord, he's saying, Partake of the life of meditating on the word of God. But animal that doesn't chew cause they don't eat that. Anyway, we'll come to that. Amen? Are you there with me? Some of you need to select me to eat now. <laughs> okay, so here he's talking about these two class of people. The Gentiles, oh man, you don't need to eat any meat. It's not good. Yeah. Maybe because you have a lot of cholesterol or whatever. Don't eat. The Jews say, no, we have a class of meat that we eat, others we don't eat, whatever, as the case may be. Amen? Alright. So, Gentile is fled, despising the Jews who eat not flesh, but herbs. And then uh, the Jews were despising the Gentiles who were eating herbs and not eating meat. Is that okay? This is the background to Romans 14. That's where I'm bringing you into, so that you can finally understand what Romans 14, 17 is talking about. Are we together? Okay, that's the beginning. And then find this again as a principle of scriptural interpretation. When you're reading the Bible, try to see the sequence of understanding scriptures as to who the person is talking to, why he's making the statement that he's making. It gives you a clearer understanding of biblical interpretation. Is that okay? So, this is the background to the study. Now, the question is what then is meat and drink? What then is meat and drink? Can we look at uh, Colossians 2? Colossians 2. Colossians 2. Let's look at it from 13 down to 16. Colossians 2 down to 17, if you will. Colossians 2. Praise the Lord. Are we there now? Look at 13. And you... Be dead in your sins. Paul is writing to the Colossians. In your sins and your circumcision of your flesh, had they quickened together with him, 
having forgiven you all trespasses. How many? Okay. So don't let any man remind you of your trespasses. Eh? What is forgiven is forgiven. How many of you remember God said, I will not remember their iniquities no more? Did he say so? So whoever comes to remind you of your parents' iniquities is not preaching scriptures. Verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. What was the ordinances? The laws. And took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now let me explain something here. Principalities and powers, in the true sense, is not talking about demons. Is that okay? If you follow the scripture in sequence from verse 14 to 15, you just understand the principalities and powers were the people that ordained the law. They were the angels that ordained the law in the hands of Moses. So, if you look at the tabernacle, you're going to find that all the cuttings, just like this kind of design you find, they were actually inscribed with angels. Because the understanding is angels gave the law to Moses. And angels were seen to it that the laws were kept. Are you getting that? So when the Bible says, it's spoiled principalities and powers, what he's saying is, what angels hold so dear, and because of that understanding, the Jews were also worshipping angels too. Are you getting that now? So he's saying, God did all of that through Christ, nailed all of that powers which has to do with the laws disarmed them, made a show of them, in other words, he got them out of place so that he can establish Christ as your head and not angels are you there with me? okay go down to verse number 16 now let no man therefore judge you in what? and what? and what? Respect of what? Holiday or of the new moon or of the what? Sabbath days. What is that trying to say here? Let no man judge in meat and drink. Basically what he's saying, don't let your life be guided anymore by the ceremonial laws. Are you there? If you look at verse 7, they say, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of who? It's of Christ. Don't let your life be guided anymore by the ceremonial laws. So meat and drink in the true sense has to do with all the ordinances of the old scripture. Hallelujah. Now you're beginning to understand. I'm going to be dealing fully with it. What he's saying is when he says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. In a short statement of summary, if I may use the word, simply means the kingdom of God is not the same thing as the Old Testament. Is that okay? <laughs> the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but what? Righteousness, peace, joy, 
in the Holy Spirit. Say now, the kingdom is not meat and drink. The kingdom is not about religion. The kingdom is not about tradition. The kingdom is not about what you used to do before as a Jewish man. It's not about what you eat and what you don't eat. It's about the life of God through the Holy Spirit. Are you getting this? Okay. Let's look. I'm going to do more about it, but let's go down to Hebrews chapter 5. Let me begin to show you some things. Hebrews chapter 5. I'm going to read from verse 12 to 14. Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. Praise the Lord. Now hear this. Paul is speaking to the Hebrews. The, the, the Hebrew believers now. If you take time to read the Bible, reading the book of Hebrews in particular, it's basically a comparison of the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's a comparison of the Levitical priesthood and the Melchizedek priesthood. Amen? You take time to read that. Like, as we progress, and I'm going to make you see, when you talk about the sacrifice of Jesus making us to get out of dead works to serve the living God. Have you read that before in the book of Hebrews? You'll be able to understand what are dead works. You see, we will talk about that, but let me say this. Dead works has to do with the fact that every animal that needs to be offered to the Lord, we have to be slaughtered. The whole ceremony of the Jewish order involves dead things that are offered. But in Romans, the Bible says, present your body as what? A living sacrifice. No longer dead animals. Are you getting this now? So it's a comparison of the Old Testament practice and the New Testament worship. So I'm going to make you see as we progress on this in relation to dead works and meat and drink. What a kingdom is not. It's not about dead works. It's not about meat and drinks. It's not about ceremonies. It's not about religion in any form. It's about the life of the Holy Spirit unveiling the righteousness of God, the joy of God, and the peace of God in your life. And the Bible says, He who serves God in these things is acceptable by God and approved of men. Hallelujah. Are we there in Hebrews 5? 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, who is he talking to? The Hebrew believers. You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And I become such I have need of milk and not of strong meat. Mm. <laughs> You'll be able to understand now as we progress what is meek, what is strong meat. Now what's it? For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. What is meek? Old Testament doctrine. 
the first principles, which are the first principles of the oracles of God. This is what you call milk in the Bible. He said, he that useth milk is unskillful in the world of what? Righteousness. Which means the word of Christ, the life of Christ, the life of the Spirit, the life of the New Testament. The man that buries his head in the Old Testament principle is unskillful in the word of righteousness. He lives on milk and not meat. Are you understanding this? <laughs> it's about strong men belonging to them that are full age. Mm-hmm. They've grown up. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to design both good and what? And evil. I'll do my explanation my next week. Our time is a little bit against us. Now, I would like you, if you care, jump very quickly to Hebrews chapter 6 now and read for me what you find there. Somebody? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. If you are there, just read. Let me see. Therefore, living. Now, follow it. Therefore, living the principles mm -hmm, of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Okay? Not laying again. Fine. Go ahead. From what? Dead works. I want you to see that. Just you can stop there. From dead works means the first principles involves what? Dead works. So what are dead works? Dead animals that are offered. Which has to do with knowing the first principle. I will explain better next, next week. If you look at Galatians, it tells you the same thing. That we were under the element of this world. Until the time I pointed. The element of this world were the first principles. Which means the first teachings that have to do with the Old Testament. That that shall not kill, that shall not do this, that shall not do that, don't do this, don't do that. You understand that? All the do's and don'ts and don'ts, whatever. These were the first principles. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible says, this thing brings us into Christ. But when you come into Christ, you are coming to the place of maturity. You don't have need of those things anymore. In the sense that the Holy Spirit makes you to live the life that God wants. Did you get the point now? So when we say somebody is unskillful in the word of righteousness, we are saying the people who cannot present the gospel of Christ the way it should be for people to live the life of Christ, they are using milk and not meat. They are centered on dead works. Therefore, such church cannot come to the place of maturity. The regrown man cannot be manifested when you start using milk all the time. Are we still there? Many of us must come to a place in our lives where the Holy Spirit be the one that controls us and leads us all the time, if you will. Our decision should be based on the decision of the Holy Spirit. Because for you to get the approval of God, you have to walk by his own dictate. And the dictate of God at this moment is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying here? When we say the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, please begin to understand. 
It is not the issue of you can have the best of life. It's not the issue of you can have good clothing, you can have houses, you can have land, you can drive good cars. No, far from it. God is saying you can get all of these things, but it has nothing to do with religion. Especially Old Testament principle. But there are life in those things which you apply. You see, he said there are shadows, like Colossians 2 says, there are shadows of things to come. Amen? And I believe you can look into a shadow and see the rhythm. But God is not intending you to stay on the shadow. He wants you to get the rhythm. But we do know that the shadow leads us to the rhythm. So, the unskillfulness, the word of righteousness, are the people that stays on the shadow without getting the rhythm. And as long as you stay on the shadow, you can come to the place of maturity. Are we still there together? And this is what the scripture is making us to understand, which we are going to be dealing with in the next few weeks now, from now. I want you to see it clearly, that God intends us to live well, have abundance, live the best you can. No two ways about that. God can bless you beyond your widest imagination. Can I hear an amen to that? So being in the kingdom is not synonymous to poverty. It's not synonymous to begging because David will say, I was young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous seed begging bread. No. In fact, he said they are merciful always ever lending to those who are in need. Shows that he who comes to the kingdom in the true sense of it is meant to live in abundance. We need to seek his wisdom. We need to seek his understanding. And God will make all the provisions available. Hallelujah.